love me some Ken Jensen. He's a good man. Uh, man, I've had the privilege of uh, working with and allowing him to be my pastor for the last eight years. And uh, what a beautiful experience. That guy, if you haven't met him, um, and his family, who is here as well, epitomizes grace and what that means and love. And so uh, um, I'm thankful for just the history and for Bethel being a part of that. Um, before I get into it, I wanted to actually uh, take a moment. If there's children, I know that they dismissed the kids after the worship time. Um, so if there's kids in here, they can go to their class and they can check that out. We'll see you later, kids, if you're in here. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad that I get to share with you today. I was trying to figure out what this topic would be, like what's a, what's a great topic for May, and, um, you know, just uh, enjoying uh, worship with you and participating in that. And uh, so I thought, what a better topic than really what uh, the Bible is all about is surrender. And so I thought, yeah, let's just go after surrender. Then I really thought, like, surrender sounds, you know, like not enough. And so I thought, let's tackle the topic of total surrender, whatever that means. And so this is something that I've gotten to work through in my own life. And I want to kind of tease it out for all of us here of what total surrender looks like. And I think the best phrase that I could grasp that kind of connects to this idea, total surrender, is this phrase maybe you've used before called, I got this. Have you ever used, I got this before? Like, hey, I got this. You've, you've probably done that, like when you've been trying to do something and you're having kind of struggling with it and someone else is like, here, let me help you. And you're like, no, I got this, right? It's the, the idea of control and uh, handling it. Um, you see this too, uh, you know, especially with uh, younger people or kids. Um, uh, I have four kids. You see, I got this all the time. And they're like trying to mess with something and they're almost there and you know the really simple way to do it. And you're like, here, I, I just want to help. Can I help you? And they're like, no, I got it. Like, stop it. Leave me alone, right? That's exactly what we do even as adults. But there's so many things when it comes to control. We like this idea of controlling and saying, I got this. Or maybe you uh, have grandkids or children or have seen children. Um, it's like something you learn from a young age, this whole idea of I got this. Um, you see it a lot of times in the playground when they're like, hey, mom, dad, watch. Some of you have heard it. Watch this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I got this. And mom's like, don't jump off. That's like 30 feet high. And and it, I'm like, they said they got it. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Just do it. And they're like, no. And they're like, I got this. Do two flips. It'll be great. Um, uh, so that's really uh, describes a lot, I think, how we act and kind of even almost how we were raised and uh, almost like this idea of control freaks. Um, you probably know like somebody who's like a control freak or being con con called a control freak. I know that there is no control freaks in here. Um, you're not a control freak. You're just a very detail-oriented person. That's what we call you. That's probably what you call yourself. I'm not a control freak. I'm just detail-oriented. That's what we'll call that. And uh, so I started trying to think, like, what are some pictures um, that could kind of explain this whole thought, right, this whole ethos of, of what a control freak is or I got this and being in control. And so one really common picture that I, I was able to snag that I thought of was this one. It's um, of an elevator. If you're a control freak uh, or somebody who's control, see that close the door button? You know that well, right? You don't wait for the door to close on its own in the elevator. You're pushing that thing. And then I was, really, I was really confused. I've never seen this before. But see how there's two different kind of closed door buttons? I think the ones that like you're aggressively closing the door, like someone could get squished. And you're like, I don't care. We're closing it. And the other one's like a soft close. No one's there. The same thing when you open the door. No one ever uses that unless maybe someone's squished. You see, it's got the same things. May, some of you might educate me later on 
why there's the two different kinds. So that's kind of a picture. Uh, what, you know, this is another one that I found. It's um, a dog. Just let the dog off of its leash and swim. <laughs> we don't need to control it. It's in the water. It's going to be good. Just let him go free and enjoy the water. We don't need to keep him on the leash. And even more so, maybe you've seen this. I won't say any of you have done this, but like this, this next picture. Like kids on a leash, too. And they're teenagers. Come on. Let them. Little, little freedom. But we, we like to have like a little control. We like to know what's going on, right? And um, this whole idea of control pokes at some fundamental things to us. Like this idea of uh, certainty. We need to have certainty versus uncertainty. Uh, we like to know like what structure is and what it looks like. I mean, some of you can't do a kuna matata relaxing vacation. You need certainty to know when we're doing, what we're doing, at what time, like what it looks like. That's vacation to you where other people are like just going to wing it. They're like, I just need to show up and whatever happens, happens. Uncertainty. They're, they're totally uh, good with that. But losing control or lack of control pokes at this idea of uncertainty and how uncomfortable that is. Or powerful. Um, when you have control, you feel powerful versus vulnerable. You know, we don't like to feel vulnerable um, and uh, susceptible to things. Or independent versus dependence. We crave independence. I, we were almost grow, uh, taught that that's how we grow up. Uh, if you see it from as a child growing up, you're, you're trained to be from dependent to independent, from walking on your own to tying your shoes to going to the bathroom by yourself. Congratulations. We love that type of independence. Um, to riding a bike, on and on and on. And w- what we feel like is when you're de- uh, independent, you become a little bit more mature because you can take care of yourself. And being dependent on someone else or something um, feels a little immature. It kind of pokes at us. And that's why some of us really struggle sometimes when um, we're kind of struck with a, a moment where we lose some of our own dependence and become independent on someone else or something else. Um, and really what that kind of leads to is it makes us feel weak, right? When we're not in control, we feel Weak versus strong, and we like to feel strong and not weak. And uh, this thing happens in the Bible and kind of just the whole story of God is God's saying to us, you, me, I want you to surrender control of your lives. And for some of us, we're like, whoa, 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 okay. Like, I can get that. I can grasp that when it comes to my eternity someday. I, can, I don't have control of my eternity. I don't have control of what happens way down the line in the future. And at some level, we're okay with this when it comes to our eternity. But when it comes to um, surrendering control of our lives right now, in this moment, or that maybe even this season that you're in, control of my finances, my dating, my relationships, control of my marriage, my kids, my grandkids— when it comes to surrendering control of my business, like that, that's a little bit different. We live in this tension um, when it comes to control of someday, the thing that we know that we don't have control over and will come someday, and uh, this tension between then uh, and then now, and what today is like. When, when we feel like the things that we can control, I'm happy controlling it. You hear me? I know a lot of you guys are feeling this. Like, yeah, I like to control things. I don't need you to poke at me right now, Larry, because I came here comfortable knowing I was controlling some things and I had this. 
And those are the things that we aren't really willing to let go of, right? But then, like, something happens, right? <clears throat> to your health. Didn't see that coming. Something happens to your employment. Your business starts to go under. Your relationships begin to decay, or maybe your kids start to go off in a direction that you never imagined, and you didn't think they'd ever go. And then all of a sudden, come on, there's more that you're not in control of, and you realize something suddenly happened. And what do we do? What do you do? What do I do? There's, there's like no longer this someday idea. Someday now just turns into today. And when you wake up tomorrow, it's still going to be there right in your face. That it's not someday anymore. It's today. And we quickly go from, I got this. I'm handling this. To somebody help me. For the love of God, please, will someone help me? And uh, what I want to kind of tease out today is, is this a sin issue when it comes to control? Or did this exist uh, where did this start? When did it uh, kind of come to fruition? And this very struggle when it comes to this. So uh, I'm going to ask you, you're going to be able to follow along in just a second, but there's Bibles actually in the pews in front of you. Uh, I'm going to get into the Word. We're going to go through a couple chapters real quick in Genesis. Genesis is the very beginning of the Bible. It's the right after, you know, the table contents and all that fun stuff. Genesis means origin or beginning. So let's just go right back to the beginning and see where this comes from. Um, and uh, this is a great book. It was written like 1,600 years before Christ even came. So this is thousands of years old. It took a long time to write. Uh, there was potentially multiple authors. Moses, we know, was one of the fundamental writers of the book of Genesis. And uh, we're kind of going to take a peek in real quick about the beginning. I'm going to go to Genesis 2, which means the second chapter. So if you're hanging with me, first book of the Bible, second chapter. You don't have to go very far. Um, <clears throat> into the Bible. Um, and so if you want to follow along there. So we're going to pick it up in Genesis 2. It says this, you can read along with me. It's on the screen as well. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. Interesting. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work. So he, right away, he gave the man something to do, right? He took the man and put him in the garden and he put him to work and said, you can take care of this. So he gave him control over something, which is something that we enjoy. You have something to do. You have something to take care of. And then the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. You're free. You can make your own choice to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not. It does not say you cannot. You have a choice. You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So what we see right now is two trees in the middle of the garden. You have one tree that represents death, right? This other tree represents life. 
two choices, two paths. You must not eat this. You are free to eat anything else. Eat as much of this as you can. These two choices are what you have. And so now we're stuck in the middle of what do we do. So it continues on. The Lord God said, hey, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a, a, hel- a what? Not a servant? Yeah, poked at that one a little bit. I, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make a helper, someone who does this with you. You make decisions together. You're going to take care of these things together. That's going to be with you together because I don't want you to be alone. That's suitable for you. And Adam and his wife, this is like a special little side note. I don't know why he put this detail in here, but it's fun. And then they were both naked. Some of you just woke up. What are we talking about? <clears throat> they were naked and they felt no shame. Now, what does that tell us right there in all, all reality? They were okay with being vulnerable. Like they didn't have control. They, they lived in this place of feeling weak or vulnerable and they were comfortable with this. And Genesis 3 continues on. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that God had made. He said to the woman, this is the serpent, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the tree, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will certainly die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now, did you notice? It wasn't like she was confused about kind of the parameters that God had put out there. She didn't like almost get it. I mean, she nailed it to the T and probably even added more because she was kind of like worried about it. You know how you tell the kid, don't touch that, it's hot. But then you tell him, you're like, if you touch it, it's hot, you might die. (laughs) Right? Because you really want him to get the point. So she said, you must not eat from it. And if you even touch it, right, it's like a kid, like a father taking care of a kid. Like, it's going to be bad to stay far, far away from it. And so then you have the serpent saying, come on, you're not really going to die. Are you kidding me? You think you're really going to die? For God knows that when you eat from this, your eyes will be opened and you will be like a God, knowing good and evil. Isn't that sometimes kind of like what we search for? We kind of want to be like a God of situations and in control of some stuff. Some of us sometimes even feel most comfortable in that place. When the woman saw that the fruit was good, of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable uh, for gaining wisdom. So notice this. She saw this, right? She saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye, and also that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. That doesn't mean she was far away from the tree. That means what? She was hovering around this decision. How many of us are hovering around, like just decisions that we kind of know that aren't good for us? We know the good decision that leads to good things is here, but we're kind of just like, I don't know, that looks interesting. Smells nice, I don't know what that smells like. And then you have the guy, remember the helper, hanging out there? So she saw it, they were hovering around this this death tree and saw that it was good for wisdom. And she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with, with her. He wasn't somewhere else and he ate it. So they're hanging out here. You, you ever get in that kind of trouble when you're hanging out with somebody and you're hanging around like a potentially bad situation or a bad um, problem and you start talking each other into it? I don't know. It's, 
I don't know if we're really going to die. I mean, it does look good. Yeah, no, you're right. It does look pretty good. You start talking to each other into it, and that's where we kind of find them. Like, yeah, it looks pleasing. It's good. It's going to be great. Or, you know, like, we'll figure it out. Hey, if anything, we can say we learned a lesson, right? <laughs> we do that one, and we're like, yeah, let's just see what it's like. It looks really tempting. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. <laughs> Not perfect, no mo. <clears throat> so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and the, wo- and the woman heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from God among the trees of the garden. Ever like taking control of a situation or something you knew probably wasn't that good for you, and then you did it, and you just find yourself hiding? dark place. Like, I don't want, nobody's going to see me over here. And then they, this, is the, this is the best part. They thought they could, like, hide from God. Like, sneaky God. He's not going to find us. He's hiding in the trees. He won't even know we're here. Like, I don't know if you know this, but you were there for every bad decision you made. And, um, and God can see that too. He was there with you and you kind of had this free choice. And so this is where Adam and Eve find themselves, they were hiding amongst the trees. And God called out and said, where are you? He knew where they were at. Where are you? And <laughs> what do you do? Adam goes walking out. Oh, hey, God. <laughs> Didn't realize you were here. So, yeah, we were just hanging out in the tree trees. We were just hanging out, having talks. And we made these outfits. <laughs> Fig leaves. It was really great. And then kind of continued on. So that was among the trees of the garden, but the Lord called called to him and said, where are you? Isn't this, isn't this relatable, right? So then he said, well, why are you hiding? What would you do? And he was like, oh, yeah, so about that. The woman that you um, made, she gave me that fruit from that tree, and I ate it. It was her fault. And so God kind of did one of those, like, for her, right? And she's like, whoa, the serpent that you made, Lord? That thing was talking to me and told me to take it, right? How many of us ever find us in that spot where, like, we start passing blame to the next person? We're, like, excusing. You're like, oh, I didn't do it. I was there. I watched it happen. I was like, this, you know, and they were like, I got this. And you're like, yeah, you do. And then you're just caught up in the mix of it. That's right where they found themselves. Isn't this so relatable? How often do we find ourselves in this situation? Our desire for control is not a result of our sin nature, but a result of our human nature. This was in the very beginning, friends. And God knew that we needed to have some sense of control. And he gave it to us. And we got to make decisions. There are times that we make decisions where we want to control something, and our intentions are very good. And it turns out very bad because we over-control it. And like we, we, we handle it too much. There's times that our intentions are very good and we step in and control something and it turns out wonderful. This is the way we were made. This is the way that we were created, we were desired. But our human nature is that we were created in the image and likeness of God. But we are not like God. We are not God. We are cannot and should not control much of the things that we try to control. 
Now, let me go ahead and talk to some of you who are having a conversation with me in your head right now. And you're saying, Larry, are you serious? Are you really going to use this story about Adam and Eve? You know, like you're talking about from an old, old book. And the guy who wrote it, he wasn't even there. And you're trying to say that there was naked people walking around. And, and uh, there was like a snake that talked and this fruit stuff and the trees. And, you know, like I'm not even sure that this is exactly, you know, there's a lot of debate and theology and stuff like that. And so what I want to tell you right now is that's a conversation I'm not going to get into right now as far as the theological stuff. I'll hang with you and stuff there later. But what I want you to grasp onto is not did this happen. I want you to grasp on this idea that this happens every single day. That you and I are stuck with two choices in between two trees. This tree of death and this tree of life. And what happens when this is happening and happens to you is that we have to go through this process. This process of surrendering control. The process of surrendering control and it begins by deciding who we can do you trust? I have to ask myself. How many times have you found yourself answering that question with myself? I trust myself. And how's that going? Where'd that leave you? Everything was all good until it wasn't any good. Right? This process of surrendering control begins with deciding who you can trust. And that's what God's saying right now. Guys, you have to be totally surrendered and say, I don't know if you all can trust saying, who can? Who can make you hope again and great again? And get walk again. And feel dead again. I um, was here just this last month, and um, I ended with this thought. It's like a real simple, holistic view of our theology as fellow believers in Jesus. And uh, it's this idea that um, it all, everything that we do just really boils down to this. That... Um, there is nothing so broken in you that God cannot mend. But only he can do it. Only he can do this transformative work of the mending. And many times we get lost in this place of like, I, nothing can fix me. I am so broken. There is a part of me that is completely broken. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing so broken that God cannot mend again. That there is nothing so lost that he cannot find. Maybe at times you felt like that, you know someone who feels like that, uh, or have felt like that, that you feel lost, and you're like, I am so far lost, there is no finding me. You don't even want to find where I'm living. There's nothing so lost that God cannot finally shine his light again and show you back to the way to the truth of life. And there's nothing so dead. There's nothing so dead in you. Your relationship that's dead, your illness that's dead, nothing so dead in you that God cannot fill it back up again. That's who he is. That's what he does. And so um, I have gone through this personal process <clears throat> of saying, if I'm going to stand up here in front of friends and say something like that as a pastor, I have to first allow God to do his own transformative work in me if I'm going to invite this simple theology, like what it boils down to, to everybody else of there's nothing so broken in your life that God cannot mend again. And for me, um, as I've kind of began and I've gone through this process since this last November of really digging in, saying there's something broken in me, God, and for me to stand up in front of people, I need to be able to talk about it. 
And so for something in my life that's been broken um, for most of my life has actually been my weight. Many of you have met me before, um, so you don't know what I have normally looked like. <laughs> Not that you need to imagine what I've ever looked like, but hey, here I am. Um, my weight has been a thing that has been broken to me, and I've tried all of these different things. I could sit here and give you excuses of I've had like 10 different back surgeries, and I can't do this, and you know, I walk by something, and I smell it. It smells so good, and immediately I just get it. I don't even put it in my mouth. You know, I could like give you all kinds of things and all kinds of reasons and things that I've done in the past. I could tell you how many different ways I, me, Larry, have tried to control this. I've stared there and I was like, well, that looks pleasing. That looks good. It looks like full of wisdom. Let me take some of this. I'm going to figure out how to control this issue, right? And that's been something that has been broken in me for a long time. And so I said, God, I believe this. That there's nothing so broken that you cannot mend. And I need you to mend this in me. And so November 6th, I started doing this process of, I'm going to stop controlling this myself because I think I should, right? Now, some of you are attaching this in a different way, like, whoa, that's like a good thing for you. No, I'm going to stop controlling this. And what I'm going to start doing is just doing this. I'm giving it up to you because I don't have the strength to do it. I cannot figure out how to control this. I can't handle it. It's not mine. So, November 6th, I started doing this every day. I get up and I say, okay, God, total surrender of all of me. Here's my heart. Where would you have them go on today? Here's my need. What would you have them get wrong? Would they get on their knees and say, here's my heart. God, here's my legs. Where would you take them? God, here's my stomach. What would you have them fit in right now? God, here's my ears. What would you have them hear? Here's my eyes. What would you have them see today? Here's my mouth. What would you have me say today? God, here's my mind. What would you have me think today? Here's my shoulders. What would you have me carry today? Here's my hands. What would you allow me to touch today, to work on today? And I went through this process every day of saying, I'm not going to control it. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to choose life. And it's not mine. And it's yours. And since November 6th to now, I don't want you to clap for this. I'm going to tell you right now. Don't do it. Um, <clears throat> I've lost 130 pounds. So hold on, time out. This is the crazy side. No, you're not allowed to. Hold on. Because that's, that's, that's saying, good job, you controlled it. Right? It's not bad that we feel that way. But for me, when you're like, wow, great job, Larry. No, no, no. God, thank you that I was able to give something up. And this was the result. I didn't do a diet. I'm not doing no diet. I, I'm giving it away. And when I give it away, things shift in me. I'm not controlling anymore. And when I say, God, what would you have me put in my stomach? It changes. What would you have me think about? It changes. This is just one example. This is the easy route. This is what we usually choose to do. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to control this. I'm going to fix this. When this is actually really the mess. This is the hard one. But it's the one that leads to life. We always think, well, that's the easy one. That one's good. But this one looks fun, right? This is the one that messes everything up. When I was able to give everything up and choose life, the result of God doing strengthening work in me, like, got to physically show. And that's just one example of one thing.
Some of you guys are living there. Man, I have lived there. Some of you are living in that tree over there, and you've built yourself a tree house. You have built a ladder going up into it. You might even have named your tree. It's got its own little special name. It's got a swing in it. You know, you can see the other tree, and you're like, I'm just happy living in my tree. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you just need to stop. Some of you are holding on to things that are not yours to hang on to so tight. You need to stop. You need to do this. And allow God to do the work that he's been waiting to do the whole time. Because he said, hey, I got life. You can have all you want. But that's the toughest part, right? We want to look and be like, Lord, you're the one who's asked me to do this. You said hang on. You said be a good steward. You said make this decision when half the time we're just not doing this. Lord, I don't have a clue. But I'm going to just keep on walking and you're going to keep on steering. But if I'm just standing and making my own decision, that's just the easy part. That's the easy street. Some of you need to quit. Some of you guys need to stop it and start making your way back over here. Some of you just feel like you can't. You just don't even know how to. You're like, Larry, (laughs) I am so broken. You literally have no idea. The relationships that are broken in me, the situations that are broken in me, the things that have happened to me when I was a young person, you have no idea. That's my tree. And I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. That's comfortable. Friend, there is nothing so broken in your life that God cannot begin to mend it, and he can begin to mend it today. Only he who's transformed the work. That uh, song we sang, Cornerstone, there's always this really funny line in there. This is like a 150-year-old hymn that was written, Cornerstone. And it talks about, I dare not sweetest frame, F-R-A-M. A frame was this common knowledge term of like a sweet frame was essentially how you set yourself up. How did you frame your life? What did you frame it with? What kind of foundation is it set up? And you're saying, man, I dare not trust in the sweetest frame, meaning like I set this thing up so good. I'm on top of it. I've controlled this. I set this up. School, boom, boom, life, family, 2.5 years, all this stuff. That song's reminded us, I dare not trust that sweetest frame because we can get really sucked into that, that control thing because that tree, we can build a sweet house in there. This one is the tough decision. Some of you need to allow God to start doing some mending work in you today. Some of you... You just feel lost. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know if I can find my way over there. There's so many weeds and stuff in the way. I'm, I have lost my way. Larry, you literally don't know how lost I am. If you knew, you wouldn't even let me in this church. <laughs> in fact, I might be surprised at standing up. You know, we get that whole thing. I am so lost. Like, no one should be sitting next to me because who knows what's going to happen. I've heard about these things. I cannot find my way there. Friends, there's nothing so lost in your life. You can never be so lost. And you know people, they can never be so lost. The people even walking out in front on those streets can never be so lost that they can't have this. God, through his transformed work, through Jesus, can find you again. He can put that flashlight down and kind of show you back over this way. And there is nothing, nothing so dead in your life that God cannot resurrect. For some of you, need to hear somebody like me 
say it to you so maybe you can say it to somebody else and not to act like they're feeding the room. So many of you need to let something die all the way so God can do his restorative resurrection work because that's when he's resurrected. He didn't resurrect himself on the cross. He resurrected himself in the grave until he's dead and alive. Do you get that? Only he can do that transforming work. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old in the room. It doesn't matter if you're 99 years old in the room. God can do a transformative work at any moment in your life and your time. And some of you feel dead and lost and hopeless. Today, make the tough decision to choose life. What does that mean? Ask yourself, like me. Ask yourself, what are you holding on to? Who do you know in your life right now that God might even be stirring in your heart? And you're like, gosh, they need to hear this. Heartbreak. Gosh, do I need to hear this? It's broken. trying to fix and control. Give it to God. God, it's you. Teach me. Teach me. Do it, God. In Jesus' name. Um, I wanted to end with uh, a quote C.S. Lewis is up on one of our student pastors. Jerry, he was actually here. He got to share with you guys um, a couple weeks ago. C.S. Lewis writes this. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong. Amen? (laughs) Too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine, he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We, friends, are far too easily pleased. Isn't that so relatable? If you're here today, at the end of the service, I want to be able to invite you up. If there's a party that's feeling dead, allow God to do that transformative work today. Don't think that you're too cool for school. Don't think that you got it all figured out. It is okay today to do this. <laughs> We're done. I'm not carrying that more. I'm going to start working my way over here to life. You're so loved. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for giving total surrender through your son, Jesus Christ, that you can do transformative work in us. Thank you for giving us the example of what total surrender looks like. May today some of us begin to put some things on the cross and let it be buried. May you 
get to do your transformative work to resurrect it as we pursue you. God, may some of us have our chains released today. God, may some of us begin to destroy the ladder of the tree of death. And God, surrender ourselves to confidence in the tree of life. Friends, if, um, if you're here today, I'm, I'm going to hang out up here for like 10 minutes. I would love to say hey to a handful of you um, out in the lobby and hang out if you're new with us and you're first.